Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now... Take me back to London. At first, there's just the blackness. The rocking of the train, the reflections against the raindrops, and the blackness. But if you keep looking beyond the reflection, you eventually notice the glow creeping into the sky. At first it's slight and you think maybe a haystack or a petrol tanker or something is on fire somewhere over a hill and out of sight. But then you notice that the clouds themselves are reflecting the glow and you know that it must be something bigger. And a little later the train passes through a cutting and curves away towards the town, a small, bright, concentrated area of light and beyond and around the town you can see the causes of the glow the half-dozen steelworks stretching to the rim of the semicircular bowl of hills. Welcome to Scunthorpe. Welcome to Scunthorpe. Blimey. Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books. Every episode, we like to take a book out for a walk and see if whether fiction matches up with the real world. Hello, my name's Tim Wright. I'm a digital writer and producer of immersive fictions. Uh, and my name's... I love always hear immersive fictions. Uh, my name <laughs> is I don't Lloyd do any, really. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Lloyd Shepard. I'm a digital producer and writer of, uh, of books. Um, I like the way you say books. Metaphorically <laughs> immersive. And we are doing today's podcast about a book that was originally entitled Jack's Return Home. It was. And well, then, it didn't become Get Carter until the 1990s, I believe. Yeah, so I'm looking at an Allison and Busby Classics edition. By the way, I just want to, just want to call this out. Hmm. It says... Um, on the back of this book, which was brought out in the sort of noughties, it says the novel behind the cult film starring Michael Caine, and the, on the back it says Doncaster, and Ooh. Jack Carter is home for a funeral. Ooh. I, I, how, how very dare you? <laughs> well, that's very interesting, isn't it? So we're doing Jack's Return Home, or Get, Get Carter, Carter, by Ted Lewis. Which is not set in Doncaster. No, it's not. And it's not set in Newcastle either, because as no. soon as I say Get Carter to you, listener, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Michael Caine in Newcastle, You're thinking you? multi-storey car parks in Newcastle city centre. You're and, thinking and chases coal. along beach and coal. Mm. It's all wrong. No, it's, it's set not. in Scunthorpe. It's set in Scunthorpe, and it's steel. 
in Lincolnshire. And it's not definitely not Michael Caine. No, it's definitely not Michael Caine. So we've been to Scunthorpe to do some field recording. Um, we we're going to take you to uh, where we think Jack's lodging house is in, in Get Carter. Yeah. We're going to take you to where his childhood home was. Then we're going to take you to a candidate for the pub around what much of which the action uh, is centred. Yes, we should say this is a sort of revenge story, shouldn't we? That he's yep. come home because his brother Frank has died in a, a mysterious and very suspicious drunk driving accident yeah. where he's drunk a lot of whiskey and driven off the road into a gravel pit. Or and Jack quarry. is, it's worth saying, Jack is a villain. Oh, a serious villain. He's a serious villain. He works for Gerald and... Gerald and Les. Les in London. Down in London. We'll come on to crime in London. He's a hard man. So it's fair to say this is a fairly bleak novel. Uh, It's it's grimy. It's violent. uh, It's got some pretty, we would consider to be uh, challenging views towards particularly women. Well, every book we do from the early 70s seems to be have terrible violence towards women and general misogyny and hardly any women with any active role in the story at all. It's quite depressing. uh, So Jack arrives in uh, Scunthorpe, uh, goes for a drink in a one pub, uh, until get, make people know makes he's his there. presence felt, makes doesn't his he? presence felt, and then he gets himself a lodging house. It's probably worth saying that Ted Lewis uh, plays with quite a lot of the names in the book, and has actually said that some of the places are kind of quite invented, uh, and that Scunthorpe was a bit of a confection. He was kind of like he writes his way of saying I didn't really do the research, I think, but he's changed some of the names slightly. He's changed other names completely. He never says the word Scunthorpe, I don't think, anywhere in the book. Well, interesting, he does in the next book, actually. Never actually says that in this book. No. Uh, but it's definitely Scunthorpe, because there's lots of clues in the book. So let's go out there and uh, see if we can find where Jack's lodging is. Listen, I don't like it when some tough nut comes pushing his way in and out of my house in the middle of the night. Bloody well tell me who sent you. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. Now behave yourself. I drove up through the town but via the back routes that paralleled the high street until I came to Holden Street, a street in which I knew every other house did bed and breakfast. After Frank had been buried, I didn't want to operate from the house, not with Dorian around. I didn't want her involved unless I could help it. I found one with a garage and parked the car in front of the house, walked up the path and knocked on the door and waited. The house had gabled windows and a mean little porch. The top half of the front door was panelled in opaque glass with a border of little squares of coloured glass running along the top and the two sides. On either side of the door, there were two more panels, exactly the same, except that they were narrower. Inside the hall, a shadow approached the front door and opened it. She wasn't bad. (laughs) Okay. Nice. That gives gives an indication of where we're going with this. This is Jack, Jack arriving in Scunthorpe. He's arrived by train. He's been to the George already for a drink. Yeah. Um, and then he's come to find a bed and breakfast on Holden Street. There and isn't they, a Holden Street. There isn't a Holden Street. But now, you've later done very on, well, I he feel. describes walking back to the boarding house, past the Bath Halls, which are on the high street, and he talks about the boarding house being on, the Bath Halls being on the corner of the high street and the road where his boarding house is. Now, that is Exeter Road. Right. In real real life which is where we are which is where we are right now we're in Exeter Road Scunthorpe uh, and it it works as a road so he, he also gives the house number later on as 17 yeah we've been we've been mooching around 17 it's on the corner though like we're casing the joint like yeah. a couple of villains up from London I'm, I'm worried we have we have brought attention to ourselves already already and I feel a bit 
nervous. I mean, they seem to spot a stranger from a mile off. They don't really they? do. So literally, we uh, we were walking up the high street last night when we arrived, and a bloke shouted, uh, "What did he shout?" He said, he said uh, oh, it's, "It's a, a hard life in Scotty. It's fucking hard. It's a hard life in Scotty." And we went, "Okay, yeah, thanks." Uh, and then we went for a for a beer. And yeah, but not in the bar where all the locals were. There was a lot of dancing and swaying and, and hugging swaying. outside. It was a very get Carter scene. There was there was loud Tina Turner playing. There was some playing. Sunday night drinking going on. So we went to another bar and a little pub where um, and uh, got speaking to the the, guy, the, the, young the barman. Run the bar. Really nice there. guy. Really nice guy. Talked about how he couldn't believe that we were in Scunthorpe to research a book. <laughs> he didn't think any he book could have been written about believe it, could That's he? right. And we said, no, no, let's get Carter. He goes, well, I'm not much one for reading, but I'll check it out. We said, you should. He's following us on Instagram now. Oh, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. And then, um, and then we were got there. Yeah, so he was, uh, he was talking about Scunthorpe, basically. But he, he used the word a dying town. Did you say? Oh, that? yeah. He was very down on it. He said, 90% of the people around here still work at the steelworks or rely on the steelworks yeah. for their business. Yeah. And otherwise, there's nothing doing. Yeah. And for him, he was in a band and he did a bit of uh, cage fighting. I know. I worked in a bar for not very much money. He was a really nice chap. But he's quite cheerful. But he said, he, "I think he still loved. It. He liked the place. Yeah. He was, seemed to sort of feel like engaging. it was his hometown. He wasn't like yeah. really down on it. But he just said he was just matter of fact that yeah. sort of nothing happens here. No one would come here. It's a Monday morning in Scunthorpe. <laughs> it's um, blue sky. It's very nice. Yeah. So the reason he picks that place. Is because um, it's got a garage, right? Because he wants to hide his. He's got a hire car, and he wants to go and put a car in there, and he wants to stay somewhere that isn't his family home because he doesn't want people to know his business, as no. it were. And he needs, he knows he's going to need another place, yeah. right? And then there's a very good description of when his two uh, gangster pals from London come up to try and uh, persuade him to come back to London and yeah. not cause trouble. Colin Peter, they're outside the house, aren't they? Yeah. So I think that's quite good because it tell it, it does locate it quite well, doesn't it? And she he makes he makes the land landlady go out and um, open the garage. So we're going into the garage by the door at the side. I said, I'm going to get in the car, and the minute I start it up, I want you to open the garage door. Sharpish, what are you going to do? Sit in the car and whistle Royal Britannia. <laughs> so they go out through the side door. Now he smashes into Pete's Jag. A lot of the houses on this street have got garages, old garages. Yeah. A lot of them you can you can't really see from the road, but a lot you can imagine the garages having side doors, so you can go in round the back and then through the side door. Number seventeen actually has a garage round the back at the back of the house, so it's on the side work. street. Doesn't so it was work. not on the main street. It's not on it. Yeah. So I think it's further down. Adds another dimension. So he gets into the car. She opens the garage door. He comes screaming out. Yeah. And crashes into Peter's Jag. So it's not the the, the right name of the road, but in terms of the place. The location of the street is right. I'm happy. The garages on the houses are right. Yeah. I won't be using the room tonight. I see. I'm staying with a friend. (laughs) Her husband docks tomorrow, does he? Not like that, love. It never is. So Ted Lewis, the author of Jack's Return Home, we're going to call it Jack's Return Home or we're going to call it Get Carter? Well, I think for the purposes of... uh, uh, Stig's marketing, we're going to call it Get Carter. Okay, let's call we? it Get Carter. <laughs> uh, he moved to Barton upon Humber in 46 when he was six years old. Right. When his father actually became manager of a quarry, which is interesting given what what is to come. He, him and his mates played in the works by the river. That was a big feature of his childhood. Again, we'll come on to that. We'll talk about moment. the river, the works at the river, yeah. won't we? He went to before the Humber Bridge was built as well, isn't it? Before the Humber Bridge was yeah. built. He went to Barton Grammar, so 
an eleven plus boy. Uh, yes, from our podcast about uh, Kestrel for a knave or cares. Or cares. Uh, yeah, we talked a, a lot about that. About, uh, yeah. yeah, so like uh, like Barry Hines, he passed his eleven plus. His English teacher, a chap called Henry Treese, was a big important part of his life, and Treese actually persuaded. Uh, Ted Lewis's parents to let him go to art school in Hull. They wanted him to stay in Barton and work and get a know. proper job. One of the things he did a lot when he was a kid, I found out, was that um, I'm getting this book from a, a lot of this from a biography called Getting Carter. He went to Scunthorpe quite a lot to see jazz. He was really into jazz. Oh. So he saw Count Basie at the Scunthorpe Pavilion and he also saw Dave Brubeck at the Baths. Ah, now the Baths is, is a location we're going to talk about. Yeah, isn't it? and he went to the Baths quite regularly. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. Can a we bit talk about, about the history Baths, of Scunthorpe? But that was his up. kind of place in Scunthorpe. He was in a jazz band at college. Apparently, he was a very pretty decent jazz piano player. Oh, a band called Unity. Okay. He was already drinking very heavily when he was at university. He was known for drinking a lot. He's, th- this is a feature of his life. He's quite on the edge. Yeah, he's quite on the edge. Okay, which the book is all about as it's well. It's all about that, that, yeah. that. Carter is. So he left college in '59, uh, but then he got a commission to illustrate a book. Um, in 1962 moved to London um, now he actually wrote his first novel in 65 All the Way Home and All the Night Through yes. uh, which is actually about students and jazz and beer All right. <laughs> set in an unnamed provincial city Okay. so write what you know then in 66 is, I found this interesting he started working as an animator on a, a quite a uh, a cheap animated series, The Lone Ranger. Do you remember The Lone Ranger animated series? He married his girlfriend, it's Josephine Room is 66 and then in '67 he got a job as a supervisor on animation cleanup on Yellow Submarine. Oh yes, I was interested right. in that. They actually moved out to Essex in '67, so they were out in Essex com- commuting to London. '67, '67. Okay. He was already planning Get Carter at this time. He was very inspired by Point Blank. Yes, that came, uh, Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin movie. and, and Schlesinger, uh, Schlesinger John Borman. No, oh, John Borman. Borman. That's right. February '68 that came out. Great film. He worked in, on Get Carter throughout 1968. Joe typed up each page. He didn't rewrite anything. He just went straight through. With a bottle or, of whiskey, I imagine. With a bottle of whiskey, possibly. They had a baby girl in July of 68. Oh. Finished the first draft around 1969, and the book was published in March 1970 by Michael Joseph as Jack's Return Home. Now, he's becoming more and more difficult at this stage. There's quite a lot of stories about his, his him being on edge. There's a, But he had on writing. He wrote some more novels. You're reading one of them. He wrote a sequel to Jack's Return Home. Yep. He wrote a book called Plender and a book called GBH, which is quite highly regarded. He also wrote episodes of Z Cars in the 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. Left Joe and the daughter, booze, uh, moved back to Barton, met a married woman there, Jill Baxter, who already had three kids. They moved to the Lincolnshire coast near Mablethorpe. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, I uh, think GBH is based in Mablethorpe. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, so that's so near, very near the woman in black house. Near where we house. think the woman in black house would yeah. be. Mm-hmm. That relationship fell apart too. He ended up moving back to Barton and lived with his mother. His father Uh-oh. was dead by this stage. And then in March 1982, he was diagnosed with severe pneumonia and he died uh, a week later. There's is a Ted Lewis Centre. In Scunthorpe, in, isn't it? No, it's in Barton. Oh, in Humber, Barton, isn't it? Is in Barton on Humber. It's only open on Sundays. No yeah. other day. <laughs> we, were, we, we were unable to get in. Yeah, when you read about Lewis, it's like, you know, he's obviously an incredibly talented individual. I mean, music, art, writing, yeah. just a really creative, talented individual who just couldn't really cope. I mean, he was just, you know, booze got him early and never let go. I think it sounds quite interesting as well that he might have had a quite a tempestuous relationship with his family as well about yeah. being an arty guy and not... Well, there's quite a lot of language in the uh, in the, the book about you know um, 
corrupt local people and all that kind of stuff. His dad was actually done for corruption at one point. He was arrested for corruption. He was cleared, oh, yeah. but he was arrested for bribing people. Right. So, well, I mean, the other thing that interests me about the book is it's <clears throat> he talks about Jack Carter. Uh, it's written in the first person, this book, by the way, listener. He reminisces about his his uh, family life, his childhood with his brother, because his brother's now died, and, the, and his troubled family life. And he talks quite a lot about the fact that he fell out with his dad. He ended up going to Borstal, I think it sounds like and um and he went to prison for a bit for mm. 18 months and that from an early age he's labeled by his dad mm. and by his community as a wrong as a wrong from from the age of sort of 8 and was getting into fights and get going into the pubs as soon as he could now who could that be based on do you think uh, yeah but his i mean it must have been happening in a lot of families though right in the 50s and 60s yeah. young people going oh well I want to go and go to art school and play jazz and you know and and, and the parents going what what do you want about art school what is an art school butted up against the row of villa-type bay-windowed houses that ran down one side of Jackson Street and up the other. At the end of the street, a long way away, was an iron railing fence, and beyond that there used to be the waste ground, the browny-yellow grass that led you to the drain, the narrow, soggy dyke where Frank and I and others would go up and drop down out of sight of the villas and do anything we wanted to do, at least I used to, and some of the others, but when Valerie Marshbanks showed everybody her knickers and charged a penny a wank in the bushes, <laughs> one at a time with Christine Hall, who liked to watch, Frank would never be there. But he'd know what was going on. And when I get home, he'd be reading his comic, and he wouldn't say anything to me. He'd just make me feel fucking awful. That, that paragraph is like, it's like the book in miniature. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of evocative, awful... It's just, um, just a great read. Challenging. Great read. <laughs> challenging politically today. Penny a wank. We are sitting in that wasteland. Yes. It's but Valerie isn't here. Valerie isn't here. <laughs> We've just walked down Jackson Road. Road. Not he calls Street. it Jackson Street in the book, Jackson Road. Uh, he gives the number as, uh, of his family home where Frank's coffin is currently laid out in the book as 48. Yeah. 48 was quite good was had a bay window he described it as having a bay window and mm-hmm. four feet away from a privet hedge it didn't have a privet hedge no, but it was four feet away the from the fence and and then so we walk down the street and then the street kind of it starts dipping down doesn't it and there's a big tree in the middle with a little green bit and then it bends round and at the, where the corner bends there's a little alleyway path yeah and you come out into this what, in, what would have been the wasteland what the wasteland the grass and then beyond it is the flatlands it's really flat there's a big wind see out to the, the Trent miles. right it's the Trent out there right yeah and I think down the, basically we're just above what was the old ditches and dikes yeah. basically where they would have been hanging out I it's was exactly surpri- right it's exactly right and it's another one of those Ted Lewis has been the author's been here Ted Lewis has been here yeah um, so it's very exciting and it doesn't feel like it's changed that much the, the, the original houses are the original houses and it does there was a shooting here last week four well, we days ago our new friend in the in the local pub who told us that there was a, there was a shooting down there we said we were coming down here today yeah because oh there was a shooting down there last week and there was and there was because I, I watched the footage on the 
uh, on BBC News, local news, just dozens and dozens of police cars. It's like all the police cars in Lincolnshire must well, have been Well, that's because there. The poli- they shot somebody. Oh, was that what it was? So it wasn't a kind of shoot. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't two civilians shooting each other. It was a police. The police shot somebody. Uh, okay. So they're going to have to have a big investigation. All right. I suspect. Okay. So they probably wanted as many police down here with their notebooks, yeah. telling each other that they were there and not there. You don't see much <laughs> of the. He calls the police the scuffers in the book. Scuffers. Scuffers. Yeah. You yeah, don't see many before. scuffers, do you? So yeah, so Jacks, 48 Jackson Street, it was about a five minute walk from 17 Holden Street or Exeter Road. It's just on the other side of the high road. It's all very it? close together and it's all around the football stadium. It's all around. You had enough view that maybe Ted spec- Lewis went to the football, right? Well, I wonder, because he lived in Barrow, which is about 10, 12 miles north of here. Yeah. I wonder if he came down to the football and actually the the, the, the geography of the place is... is I, can't, I, I can't find any reference to him having lived in Scunthorpe. No. Um, he lived in Barrow and then he moved to London. So oh, well, he was, was in Hull for as a student and then he moved to London. My hunch was that because he was a raging alcoholic, if he wanted to have uninterrupted access to alcohol where nobody really knew him, he'd come down to Scunthorpe. Well, because Scunthorpe was known as Boozeville yeah, in well, the 70s. We definitely saw that last night. Right. The selection of booze in that um, 24 7 yes. grocer's shop window. They had absinthe in the window. With wormwood. Extra wormwood. In a, in a, in a, in a 24 that was the hour shop window advertising. street grocer's in uh, Scunthorpe. <laughs> They're selling absinthe. This is, this is a hardcore drinking place. Yeah. Well, I saw a news article that said in the 70s that the government, this was the first town they came to to experiment with 24 um, hour licensing oh. because there were so, much, so many pubs here and so many people drinking. What, in the 90s? No, in the 70s. Oh, in the 70s. They ran a pilot phrase where they let all the pubs stay open in Scunthorpe to see what... And what was the result of the pilot? They decided they didn't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But imagine, I imagine Ted Lewis might have been there that weekend. That would be a reason to come down from Bart. But you've got the news. The pubs are going to be open for 24 hours. Right, I mean... (laughs) Well, he was a terrible alcoholic. Alcohol literally destroyed his life. But also, if he came in a railway station... And he didn't want to be known. He'd be like Jack Carter. He'd go down the back, back streets and then get straight in the pubs, get, get on the booze, get back on the, you know, find an old flop house to pass out in, yeah. go home to mum's on the, on, yeah. <laughs> on the Sunday. Yeah, that all makes absolute sense. You're listening to the Curiously Specific Book Club podcast. If you want to get all the episodes as soon as they're published, you need to support us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com and look for Curiously Specific. So normally we publish these podcasts in, in, sort of in the clear, in the open to everybody, once a week. With ads. Um, with ads. We put both the parts of each episode on Patreon without ads immediately. So uh, the, the second part of Get Carter is there now for you to listen to. Yeah, you don't have to um, wait a week. You don't have to wait a week. Uh, it's uh, it's a couple of quid to do the basic subscription. Uh, and then you can pay a bit more and join us on our on our Discord server. Yeah, have a chat with us, and we, you know, we've had some good conversations on there with people about suggested books and very good book recommendations do. of things we do. Although some of them are slightly impossible, people are asking us to sort of, sort of climb <laughs> mountains in Scotland and travel to Istanbul in twenty four hours. Or yeah, something. yeah. And we also put up a lot of videos and photos and maps, and we put our show notes on there. Yeah. So all the links we mention of all the uh, videos and the research that we do of the history of the place and the writer and and all of that good stuff is out there for you. I'm always slightly chilled by the number of links that we put up because I'm like we look 
like we nerds. Just, we, 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 we go quite deep on some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, go to patreon.com, search for Curiously Specific, and you'll find uh, a whole world of, uh, of goodies, a treasure trove of book stuff. Wow, Stig's going to be pleased with you with that. That's that was one really sold it. Now back to the podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I was a kid, when I'd started going in pubs, they'd said you want to keep out of the Cecil. You don't want to be going there. It's rough, especially Saturday. It's the worst pub in town. Somebody had once said they should advertise it as having singing till 10, fighting till 11. So naturally, I started going in there as soon as they'd let me get into the bar. Nice. The main bar was one of the biggest I've ever been in. You go in through the double doors that open onto the high street. First off, all you see are tables, hundreds of round tables, set out in rows going diagonally across the room, stretching as far back as you can see. Beyond the tables, it seems like a hundred yards away, there's the stage, a long low platform, and on it a set of drums, a piano and a Hammond organ with all the attachments. Running down the left-hand wall as you look from the entrance is the bar. There are eight sets of pumps. The bar stops flushed with the stage. It's that long. Very good. So we are sitting at the junction of the High Street in Scunthorpe, Oswald Road and Frodingham Road. Frodingham, Frodingham? We were advised not to go to Frodingham Road last night by That's a right. chap in the bar. He said uh, they'll rob you down there. So anyway, so we're on that corner. We're looking at Britannia House, which used to be the Britannia and then later the Brit nightclub. Before that, it was the Britannia pub. Yeah. It's a big old Victorian... Drinking bar. Drinking barn. You're (laughs) probably familiar with if you've been to places like Kilburn or places. 
So I was looking at the Grimsby Telegraph, the distinctive building of former public house has recently been reju rejuvenated and relaunched as Britannia House. Now the reason I like it is, look at that picture. Oh, uh, that's huge. So that's huge a huge bar. That's a picture of the inside when it was a bar. Oh, and it's got a, a stage nightclub. at the back or something. So there's a huge bar running down the left-hand side. Yep. A big open area and a stage at the back. Okay, I'm in. It's good, isn't it? It's in exactly the right place as well, yeah. relative to where he lives and how yeah. he walks down the. He, he, when he comes back out of uh, Jackson Street, he says he walks down the high street. Yep. Um, and that it's, it, he would absolutely. Which we've just done, right? Yeah, it's exactly that walk, isn't it? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. So I think it's a really good candidate. Yeah. I can't see another one that's in the right place with the same sort of scale and size. Unfortunately, you can't get in it because it's offices, and then there's a there's a new little bar at the back, smaller bar, the black door, which isn't open. Well, I noticed that there's an article actually online, I'll share the link of it, with the guy who's trying to sort of revive it. He's taken, he was going to get shut down, as with most places around here. He was going to get knocked down and turned into developer's opportunity for yeah. flats or offices or whatever. But it was then uh, rescued by this guy who took it over, and he's got a kickstart, or had a kickstart. Oh, really? We should link to that. To kind of crowdfund the revival of the Britannia as a place uh, where well, you could go and drink and fight. Hooray! Or get Carter fans, we should get onto that. Yeah, actually, the only mark against it, that. I would say, is he talks about the double doors opening directly onto the high street. Yeah, well, there are two And strictly doors. speaking, the double doors open onto Frodingham Road. Yeah, yeah. The but only, they the are very good double doors. And then there's another part, 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 that's not the first pub he goes to, is actually called The George, isn't it? Yes, he comes down from the station. Get, he gets the train up from London, uh, he gets off at Scunthorpe, and he walks... No, he gets a taxi. He gets a taxi... Down he the back. deliberately does that because he wants the taxi person to know that he's in town. Yeah. And he knows he's going to go and tell somebody. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and he gets a taxi to the George. He gets to the George. Now, there is no George Hotel in Scunthorpe, never has been. No. But based on how he says he goes down from the station, the cab, on a straight street down to the high street, we're looking at the Weatherspoons. And what we know about Weatherspoons, what we've learned about Weatherspoons. What we've learned about Weatherspoons over, over the years. Over the years doing these podcasts. Yeah. Is, is they quite cannily uh, name the pub after either a local celebrity or a, an old pub that was very sort of part of yeah. the town's law and yeah. they sort of hijacked that history. So they've called theirs the Blue Bell Inn. Now, the original Blue Bell Inn, there's a photograph of that online, which I'll post for Patreon supporters. Yeah. That chords very much to the description of the George Hotel. Right. Uh, the Blue Bell Inn, but unfortunately, in the development of the new shopping centre in the in the 1970s, they crumped it. Yeah, and it's now underneath the library. So if you go to the library with a with you're, a, you're with, sitting on top of the jaw with a beer. You're sitting on top. Mesdames et messieurs, puis-je avoir votre attention, s'il vous plaît? Signore, signori, posso avere la vostra attenzione, per favore? Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Good evening, and welcome to tonight's festivities and to the official countdown to 2013. Live with Rob Peach Miller from the Brooktonian nightclub, Scunthorpe. So we found our first drinking hole, of which there are many in this book. Well, there are many in Scunthorpe. Oh my goodness! Yes, yeah. yes. Well, that was, we went on a Sunday night, and the high street was quite leery, wasn't it? It was quite leery. Well, there weren't many people on it, but they were all <laughs> they were, they all, were quite all interested in us. Uh, well, that was interesting. That if you come as dressed as an outsider and well, walk down we, the high how street, we, how, what do you mean? How were we dressed as outsiders? Well, we weren't wearing a really old no, we shell suit. No, we weren't wearing leisure wear, were we? Uh, Loungewear. Uh, we did look like people from outside. 
And yeah. so that, that's as Jack Carter, when he walks down the high street, having got off the train, that must be the same. Everyone sees him, right? Yeah, what he's wearing. He's, he, he talks about clothes a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, so the book comes out in 1970. Well, 70 was the year that Heath beat Wilson, so the Tories come back in. Yeah, a bit of a surprise win, wasn't it, I think? I read, uh, read. And uh, well, well, particularly it was a surprise win because uh, uh, it was the first election in which 18-year-olds could vote. Oh, so more young All people these budding voting. little Tories. More young people voting. Tories get in. Never trust a hippie. Never trust a hippie. Uh, well, I th- uh, what I noticed was the year kicked off very well with Keith Moon running over his chauffeur. Yes. Which I thought, killing him. Yeah. 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 On the 1st of January. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of music, that you can't really get away from Bridge Over Troubled Water that year. It's the biggest selling album, massive. wasn't it? Best selling single was In the Summertime. Yes. Mungo Jerry. A pay-in to drunk driving. What's that? A pay-in to drunk driving. Is it? Take a drink, take a drive. Oh, brilliant. That's better than clunk click, isn't it? Well, with it? Keith Moon running over his chauffeur, it's not a good look, is it, really? And of course, um, a very famous man of Scunthorpe won the US Open that year. Uh, Tony Jacklin. Tony Jacklin. Is he from Scunthorpe? Oh, yes, he is. Okay. I have something that. to say about Didn't that. He's, that. Yes, he's very much a man. of. He was actually a pr- apprentice to the steelworks. Was he? Uh, while playing, learning golf. And he got out of town through his golf talent. The first Women's Lib Conference took place in 1970. I mean, it's interesting to you saying about that this book has a lot of violence against women in it and is generally rather toxic yeah. about women in, in general. And it comes out in a year when there's the first Women's Lib Conference, but also it's the first year where there are page three girls in the sun. It is the first year of page three. Yeah. So yeah. It, there's, a, it, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of tension. Swings and roundabouts. Swingers and roundabouts. Swingers and roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. Quite a lot of good films. Ah, go for the films, In 1970. Yes. I mean, the one that jumped out to me was Performance. Oh, yes, because it's got a gangster in it. It's got a gangster James Fox James as a gangster. Fox, yeah, yeah. Love Story. Oh, Love Story, the I film, and the book. Yeah. We're both big. They rushed that, that year. out, didn't they? Huh? He probably wrote it that year as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, didn't he? Well, isn't that book something where he said he wrote it based on a mathematical model of what a book should be written? Is it by? Eric von Lustbader? No, Seagull. Seagull. Eric Seagull, isn't it? Eric Seagull. Yeah. But he claimed that he'd come up with a mathematical model for the perfect um, uh, novel. Well, for the, for the perfect bank account balance, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah, certainly yeah, yeah. Case, yeah. So, if we shift to books for a minute, I was interested to see. Do you know what I realised is that? Wikipedia has a bit of unconscious bias about literature. No, do you not? Do you, think, not, do you think? Do you that, think? Could you think that might be because it's mainly written by white men <laughs> of, of, a, of a software technology bent? I don't know why I get that idea. No. Anyway, because they, they seem to go for sort of like all the big sort of literary things, and and then they don't really yeah. tie in with what what's actually people are reading. I don't think. So what did you find that people are actually reading? Well, rich man, poor man, Owen Shaw. Okay. Oh, do you remember that TV show with um, Peter Strauss and Nick Nolte? Where that was a series of Rich Man Poor Man. Did no. you ever watch that? Very, very good. Okay. So I'm just thinking that in terms of Ted Lewis, we've got to think about the kind of books that are around. Well, the big one was the big British one was was Len Dayton's Bomber. Oh, Len Dayton. Came out in 1970. And in, in a beautiful Wikipedia fact, I find it was the first book written on a word processor. I noticed actually that um, in the non-fiction section there was quite a lot of interesting books. Because German Greer's Female Unit comes out that year. Also, that Yanoff book, Primal Scream, that John oh, Lennon got yeah. into. John Lennon was really into that, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it comes out then. Yeah. And then the, the one I, I'm a big fan of is Future Shock by Alvin Toffler. He's a great book. You've read that? Three amazing books in one year, really. Yeah, about, I mean, three sort of society-changing books. Yeah. yeah really yeah. interesting. 
So I, I often quote Alvin Toffler in, well, when I say I often quote, when I'm rarely asked to speak in public. When you're in the I pub. Use, I use, yeah, when I'm in the pub. <laughs> I quote him and then I get thrown out. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one I want to mention is The Decay of the Angel. Oh, I've never even heard of The Decay of the Angels. Oh, that? this was very big for me. And I t- it, it, if you if you went to boarding school around this time, did you go to boarding school, Tim? I keep banging on yeah. about it. It's it's you know you will remember the author Yukio Mishima. Oh yes, do you know who Yukio Mishima? He was is? the guy who tried to have a revolution in Japan, wasn't he? He had a he created his own little right wing cabal, and then Could... he attempted a kind of coup, a yeah. useless coup, yeah. and ended up uh, committing harakiri by with two samurai swords. Yeah. And in this public, is his, right? On a balcony or something. Something like that. Yeah. But basically, that's what I mean. It was like, if you were like a 12-year-old kid, at the, how old was I then? I was eight then. I think it was just going to boarding school. Much talk about Yukio Mishima. Right. And and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it wasn't didn't really come up in Amherst County Primary School very often. <laughs> oh, mate. What you I must say. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, wasn't it? Riverhead Infants. <laughs> there was no Mishima Club. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, to care of the angels, you'd recommend that, would you? No, I wouldn't. Okay, <laughs> yeah, if you, I, mean, I, I wouldn't. I'm just saying because he was a novelist, wasn't he? He wrote well, he, some was, he was a novelist, but he was yeah, he's basically a right wing nutter. Really. But his novels are supposed to be. I've never read any, but his novels are supposed to be extraordinary. Honestly, I don't remember very much about them. Okay. I just remember that they were a good illicit material, and if you wanted to get up your teacher's nose at the time, you, you could bang on about that kind of thing yeah, and, can, and, and, and and sort of find uh, in the light, you know, try and find books with photographs of him and things. Right. That just so to, this is basically about annoying your teachers. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope it wasn't about trying to form your own right-wing cell <laughs> and overthrow the authorities and commit Harry Kiri in the in the changing rooms. I'm the villain in the family, remember? Now, who killed him? There's a place on the edge of the town where they'd built a council estate somewhere back in the 50s. This place used to be what you could call a natural place of wasteland. What I mean is, there'd never been anything there that had been knocked down or carted away like an old airdrome to give it that used look, laid waste, the kind of land where those erect and rusty weeds grow upright between old half-bricks and cracks in grey concrete. They just grew here anyway. The place used to stretch for the best part of a quarter of a mile away from the town. In another town, they would have turned it into allotments, but in another town, it might have looked as if something could be grown there. Before they built the estate there, there had been only one house near this place, right on the very edge, as far away from the town as it could be. So that's Albert's house. The steam from the steelworks just can't come up. Oh yeah, there's a steam of the steelworks has just appeared over so Albert's house. houses. So um, we're sat outside the uh, now abandoned and derelict Crosby Hotel on the edge of Scunthorpe. It's 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 shit here. It's not very nice. Uh, there's there's two hand car washes within visual range, yeah, and um, there's also massive Greggs. A massive Greggs, and we've come to find Albert's house. Scene of one of the, uh, a couple of the ble- bleaker scenes in an already bleak book. We've, we've been in a little bit of a roundabout to get here um, because we drove down to the steelworks. We recorded some stuff down by the steelworks, which was amazing. 
uh, and then we, we, we found a place where there's some houses by the edge of the steelworks. We weren't quite happy with the sort of location. But then we thought, but then you remembered that there was another steelworks. Well, this is... This Norman, is B, Norman B. Park steelworks. Yeah, so what's, what's good to... We will have to talk about this in the studio, I'm sure. There were essentially three businesses initially in Scunthorpe, three steelworks. G, GKN Steel closed down which was had been on the Norman B site yeah that closed down in the 80s and now there's a BOC British Oxygen company cement uh, company there, and a cement company and then quite a lot of wasteland and some business park stuff and it's it's proper wasteland I mean it's real yeah it's, as he, it, the, the, there's this there's old fences with, as he says, weeds growing up through the cracks in the cement and the bricks. It's very abandoned post-industrial landscape. Uh, the only thing here is, is, is you know, single-storey prefab um, business centre-style stuff, and some of that's pretty grotty. It's got so, although we haven't found the actual Victorian farmhouse, the Albert's houses, we've had look for it. We think it's very much in this space. No question, I think. Um, if you look on the old maps, actually that land where behind it, where the house would be, it would be in the book, I think, from the description we've just read, um, on the map it's marked as allotments. So that joke in the book, I think it's, a, I think it's his own private writer's joke, he said in another town this would be allotments, Yeah. but nothing grows here. So the flats, so um, the flats went up in the 60s, the, the, the block of three flats. They're incredible, aren't they? Um, so where's he, he, he's got into trouble outside settles, hasn't he? He gets in a spot of bother and then he does his kind of escaping around by the football stadium. Yeah. And he gets picked up by a, a young woman in a TR4. Who uh, he'd met at the casino. Who he'd previously met at the casino. Yeah. Um, You're going to flame uh, this book now, aren't you? <laughs> she takes him to, uh, she takes him to uh, another side of town. Uh, the car stopped. We got out. She was drunk enough to leave her keys in the dashboard. That might be a nice thing to know later on. Like that. We're in the middle of a dozen blocks of tall council flats. They looked greyer than the day. We walked across a dull, wet patch of grass and under one of the blocks and turned left. There was a lift, one of those aluminium-finished things that always smells of piss. We got in. She pressed four on the panel. She pushed her hands into the pockets of her short artificial fur coat and leant her back against the wall and looked at me. The door rattled shut and the lift moved. I threw my cigarette on the floor. Nice. The stink didn't improve the flavour. The girl kept looking at me. The lift stopped and the doors opened. So he goes up in the lift with, with, with Glenda. To the fourth floor. Uh, and in Glenda's flat he finds Cliff Brumby, who has obviously bought the flat for, uh, for Glenda. Yeah, as his little, uh, his little shag pad, shag pile, shag pad. There's only three blocks, not fifteen or a dozen. He says we're in the middle of a dozen blocks of tall there's council no, flats. There's no dozen. Blocks. I can't think of any place in England where there's a dozen blocks of council flats in one block. There's six or seven in a very famous estate in Grimsby, right? Which okay. he may have had on his mind. I think. So I don't know what he's on about there, uh, but this is definitely Crosby Flats he's talking about, which went up in the sixties. Yeah, um, they were very much a demonstration of the council's sort of pledge to the future for the yeah. workers. Well, interesting. Right, we're going to get rid of the old market and high street and crump that down. But they went up in the 60s, but the lift already smells of piss. Well, it doesn't take long, does it? Obviously not. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Obviously not. So there's one scene where he has, he has a long chat with Cliff up in those, in those flats. Yeah. Um, then he goes back there uh, later on to find Glenda. Yeah. And that's the... 
It's I mean, a the terrible scene, scene where it's a he, crucial scene, isn't it? Where he really? sees the film, the film involving his involving his daughter, yeah, either his niece or his daughter, yeah. or both. Yeah. Uh, it's a complicated little, uh, yeah. uh, little uh, nest well, of fibers. Everybody knows each other in this town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the the flats are very good. They're very grey. They have been reclad, I think, but they are they're, they're still I very grey. They have had a survey post um, Grenfell. And, and it's right next to okay. where we think Albert's house would have been, because later on in the uh, in the book he um, he, he escapes from Albert's house, uh, escape eludes the scuffers. It's a very messy scene by driving Albert, towards Albert by driving house. towards the by, uh, yeah by the flats. making it towards the flats. But it's a very messy scene, isn't it? And there's a Greg's. There is a Greg's. Should we go and uh, should we pop into Greg's? Yeah. Let's and hope then nothing uh, kicks off. And every every other place in this book, he walks into it, and then something kicks off. Yeah, so yeah. I'm hoping nothing kicks off in Greg's. So that's the end of part one of oh, our one of our Get Carter adventure in yes. Scunthorpe. If you want to listen to part two, you've got two options. You can either wait a week, and it'll be appearing in your feed without any intervention from you required, uh, or you can head over to Patreon, hand over two of your English pounds, uh, and uh, get it straight away by becoming a member of our Patreon club. And you get it ad-free. And then on top of that, you also get access to all our show notes and our maps and our videos. And the videos and the photos of us going up to Scunthorpe and Barton on Humber, so you get a real sense of the place as it is now. We took some great videos and pictures of the steelworks as well, as well as, as, well as by the uh, astonishing by the river. Yeah, um, if you want to see it, you so you can plan your own adventure. Plan your own adventure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to go to Scunthorpe. <laughs> do it with. Uh, do it. This with, is the one where no, I, was in, uh, I have to admit, I, I really, I'm not sure about sending people to Scunthorpe. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one where I struggle. Every other one we've been to, I've thought, oh great, I really would like to encourage the listeners to go out to this I landscape and see thing. it. But in terms of going to Scunthorpe, I'm thinking. I don't want it to be. I don't want to be blamed for you going out there and having not a great a time. Bad scene. Anyway, so we'll we'll see you back here either immediately to our yes. patron subscribers, or we'll see you in a week to everyone else. Because we're 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 going to end up at a Brickworks, aren't we? We're going to end up at the Brickworks by the river. But before we get there, we're going to go and visit the steelworks. Well, what's left of the steelworks? There's still quite a lot left. Well, there's a lot of polluted, slag-ridden ground. Not a lot of steelworks. Yeah. Am I selling it? Not really. (laughs) When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.